is staying on. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome back again to this little podcast I like to call Sassy Toxicologist. Now, it's very weird for me to have so many brand new episodes right away. But, you know, I like to keep people on their toes. The minute that you start beginning to predict what I will and won't do is the minute that I'm boring. So here we go. I decided to talk a little bit about Mary Joanna, Mary Jane, weed, pot, etc. Because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And as far as I know, and again, haven't really done any explicit research. As far as I know, nobody has ever died from an overdose of marijuana. Maybe I should look that up later. I don't know. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about the different compounds that may or may not get you intoxicated if you were to smoke the devil's lettuce or partake in a baked good containing the substance formerly known as marijuana. Also, a lot of this stuff, at least regarding the legality of marijuana and THC and hemp, has to do with the passing of the 2018 Farm Bill. Now, why would you care about the 2018 Farm Bill? That was like so four years ago. Like people have already graduated from high school who started in 2018. Wait, no, they're going to graduate in this spring. What I'm trying to say is that you should care. Everybody should care because it changed the game. Let me tell you how. So marijuana has been illegal in the United States for a while. Look up the war on drugs. There's so many podcasts with good episodes on that. Um, but it has been illegal to smoke marijuana in the United States. And there's a whole argument to be made about overcrowding in prisons and the fact that people with marijuana or drug charges, federal charges, are treated the same way as people who commit heinous crimes like murder. And all for marijuana, which, again, will probably not kill you if you overdose on it. Whereas a drug like cocaine or methamphetamines or opioids, opiates will absolutely kill you if you OD on them. So we won't get into why marijuana is criminalized and who was targeted, but there's a lot of good resources and and interesting information about there. What I want to talk about is what it is and what it does to your brain and your body. Okay, so first of all, why did I talk about the 2018 Farm Bill? Well, again, marijuana has been illegal in most of the states of the United States and federally illegal. Some states, such as Michigan, good old Michigan, legalized marijuana for medical uses, medical marijuana, right? That was prior to 2018. But in 2018, the Farm Bill, passed by 
good old United States bureaucracy, Congress essentially, um, which the president signed into law, states that hemp products can be sold as long as they contain less than 0.3% THC. Now, THC stands for tetrahydrocannabinol, tetrahydrocannabinol. And specifically, they're talking about a specific type of tetrahydrocannabinol called Delta-9. Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol is the compound that, if you partake in smoking the devil's lettuce, gets you high. And we're going to talk a little bit about how that happens in a minute. But there are so many other chemicals in hemp, phytochemicals, P-H-Y-T-O, phyto. Not like Fight Club, which we don't talk about, phytochemicals, which are found in plants, of which um, apparently marijuana is a plant. I don't know. I really wouldn't know. I've never done anything like that in my life. So, But being as though there are a bunch of plants, chemicals in hemp, um, one of these chemicals has been in the news a lot lately. You've probably heard of it. It's called cannabidiol or CBD. So cannabidiol is a product that is made in hemp, that is made in marijuana plants or hemp plants, um, which those are different types of plants, actually. Um, But it's the ratio of CBD to delta-9-THC that's different in a hemp plant versus a marijuana plant. So marijuana is the illegal one. The hemp one is legal as long as it contains less than 0.3% delta-9-THC. So people can grow hemp and harvest it and extract cannabidiol or other compounds from it. The other compounds include something that's legal here in North Carolina called delta-8-THC, which some people tend to call it like, you know, legal THC or diet weed, etc. It's only illegal in a handful of states right now. But it is said to produce sort of a similar euphoric effect compared to delta-9-THC, but, uh, you know, less paranoia, less um, fewer bad side effects. I don't know. So let's get to the molecular level. What does a compound like delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol do? How does it make you quote unquote high? Well, your body is amazing. You should already know that by now. But this is your daily reminder that your molecules and your brain cells and your body is just a phenomenally complex, wonderful machine. It's not even just a machine. It's like, I don't know, maybe like we are the universe and the universe is us. Essentially, your body produces its own version of delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. And it uses that to decrease the amplitude of signaling, right? So just like we talked about with ethanol, where everything kind of slows down, delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol and the mysterious, your own substance that's produced in your body, um, activate the same receptor. And that receptor is called cannabinoid receptor 1 or CB1R. 
Now, this magical chemical that we have, um, we actually have a few of them, a handful of them, and they're called endocannabinoids. So endo is just a fancy way of saying inside or within. And so you have cannabinoids within you right now. I actually saw an article um, a couple of years ago. I didn't read it, but I saw the headline said something about how runner's high, the euphoria that some people feel after they go for a nice run, um, is actually partially due to activation of the endocannabinoid system. Dun, dun, dun. So the endocannabinoid system is made up of endocannabinoids, which are your body's versions, essentially, of delta-9-THC and the receptors that they bind to. So essentially, if your brain senses that it's getting overwhelmed or overstimulated by something, it can actually release these delta-9 analogs, these endocannabinoids, to slow itself down. It's like a self-feedback mechanism, feed-forward feedback mechanism. It's really cool. Um, and that's just really kind of fascinating. There's another type of cannabinoid receptor called cannabinoid receptor 2. And this one is really interesting. Um, it's not as well characterized. And it is mainly located expressed, the receptor is expressed in cells outside of the central nervous system. So like in immune cells. So if you think about it, two places where you need a lot of regulation of activity would be your central nervous system, which is where cannabinoid receptor 1 is expressed, and in your immune system, because you don't want to develop autoimmunity or allergy. You don't want to over, overreact to things, both in your brain and in your immune system. So it kind of makes sense that we have these feedback mechanisms um, to kind of regulate themselves. Cannabinoid receptor 2 is also expressed in immune cells in the brain. So that's kind of fascinating because the immune system in the brain is immensely complicated. On the one hand, your brain is very well protected by the blood-brain barrier from pathogens that are circulating in your general circulation or in your other tissues. As you can imagine, your brain is very fragile, very delicate. It's packed with so many specialized different types of neurons and glia and you can't really afford to get an infection in there. But your immune system in your brain, made up of cells like microglia or astrocytes or other types of cells, um, they have a very important job to do. Because on the one hand, they need to respond to any sort of pathogens or anything that gets through. But on the other hand, if they overreact, it can really be a problem for your brain. So all that is to say, endocannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system play a crucial role in your normal brain function and your brain function under stress in addition to your immune system and your immune system under stress. And so what's interesting is that compounds such as delta-9 THC, delta-8 THC can actually act on those systems and produce psychoactive effects. Now, the thing about CBD, cannabidiol, is that it is a cannabinoid, but it very weakly binds to CB1 and CB2R, which um, really used to kind of confuse me until the other day I read an article saying that cannabidiol might actually work on a different part of the pathway. You see, 
there are enzymes that work to synthesize our endocannabinoids, one of which is called FAAH. And I think it's like fatty acid, something, hydrolase, whatever. So um, CBD, if it blocks this enzyme, oh, excuse me, the enzyme breaks down cannabinoids, metabolizes cannabinoids. If CBD inhibits FAAH, it promotes endocannabinoids for sticking around and acting on their respective receptors. So just to recap, CBD actually promotes activation of the endocannabinoid system, whereas Delta-9 THC, for example, is a ligand or a compound or a molecule from coming from outside the body, so exogenous ligand compound molecule that activates the endocannabinoid system. And so different ligands, even though we like to think of them as locks fitting into a key, and that's how receptors interact with their ligands, the receptor being the lock and the ligand being the key, that's not necessarily true. You'd have to have like a really fancy lock that like if you had slightly different keys that were very similar would produce somewhat different effects. Like maybe it would only open it 25% versus, you know, all the way, etc. So it's, it's not a super easy concept because, I mean, we like things to be simple and understandable and we want things to fit in boxes. And I mean, I certainly do. I like to simplify things. I like the lock and key model, but unfortunately that is just not reality. And it's fascinating and it presents really unique opportunities for different therapies. So, I mean, maybe it's a good thing that we're not locks and keys. And the complexity of our biology, just in the way that our hearts beat, that our immune systems are constantly on surveillance for pathogens and the way that our minds form thoughts and turn those thoughts into spoken words. I mean, maybe this all has to do with the fact that receptor ligand interactions are complex. So there you go. Hopefully that was interesting and enlightening about marijuana. I hope you have a wonderful day and I'm going to stop talking now. Bye.